Hello, welcome to Surviving the Ground. Uh, this is episode 13, and we're going to be talking about the NFL because there's some big stuff happening. Um, teams are cutting down to their 53-man roster. You got people being cut everywhere. Um, drafts are happening, and we're getting ready. We're only, what, five days away from the first game of the season. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm joined, of course, by my, my father and co-host, Joe Adante. Uh, hey, Jay. It's good to see you. As a, well, not to see you, I guess, but good to hear you as always. Thank you. Um, so, basically, with teams trimming down to their 53-man roster, you have a lot of people being put out on the street, you know, and trying to find new homes. And um, uh, there's a whole lot of names going around at the moment. Uh, for the most part, it's, it's low-key, but um, it looks like Jadavian Clowney is sitting around without a home. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I would have suspected that, but, uh, you know, it's like every other these days is that so much of the situation is due to money. Um, certainly there's uh, the quality of play and the other big factor is the attitude. Yeah. You know, if someone tends to not be a unifying force in the clubhouse uh, or the locker room, uh, maybe some teams won't want them. But in the case of uh, Clowney, yeah, a lot of it is, is about money. Yeah, I mean, for him, obviously, the price tag is so high. Um the asking price at one point apparently was about $21 million per season, uh, dropped to about 17 to 18 but it's a, it's a lot of money to pay for, I mean, a, a good a top free agent talent, but um, still in, in, a, in a place where a lot of people are trying to add a lot of moving pieces, it can, you know, that, that can be quite a price tag to ask for. Apparently, he's been meeting with Sean Payton and, uh, and the Saints, and uh, we know that their propensity for defense is kind of high. You know, they... They tend to focus a whole lot on it, mainly because their offense is already set. But um, so they're talking about uh, Clowney, uh, and then the big one, obviously, is Adrian Peterson ending up on the line. Um, I know he had, they were saying he had drawn some interest from the Bears, you know, New England, and in the Chiefs even were drawing a little interest on Peterson. I assume he's going to he'd be a low cost option, but. Um, and obviously my favorite on that list is going to be the Bears because, you know, well, where are we going in the running back field? Um, uh, they were talking about statistically the Bears running game. There was an interview with Matt Nagy um, and, you know, he was saying, you know, I, had no, I know I need to run the ball more. You know, I'm not an idiot. Uh, and they have to refine, you know, their season really hinges on refining the running game. Um they had been talking about the underwhelming rushing attack, and last year you're talking about the best ranking they got rushing-wise was they were 20th in rushing attempts. Um, I mean, they're 27th in rushing yards per game, 29th in yards per rush, 31st in impact run plays, so 15 yards or more. Um, for a team really known for its run game, I mean, it's a pretty shabby performance last year. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, he was very underwhelming last year. And granted that, you know, the Bear offensive line is is not really a you know a top ten or top fifteen unit, uh, especially with the run blocking. But Montgomery just one of those guys where he needs to run behind a, a really good offensive line. I mean, he has some skills, but you know, he's not one of those guys that can do it by himself or make room by himself or whatever, despite what his uh, measurements say. 
And I think last year really proved it because he, he really should have exploded last year theoretically. And uh, really, with the exception of maybe two games, uh, it was absolutely miserable. I did have some injury things going on last year, but uh, but for a vast part of the season, though, he was just the stats were absolutely horrible on any metric that you look at, uh, not just yards and touchdowns, but any other metric, you know, yards after hits and so forth. Yeah, no, he's um, you know very underwhelming, and they tend to say. Obviously, Matt Nagy is known more for his um, imagination and how he can bring a new system in and how he can implement some different approaches to things. So hopefully that ends up benefiting the Bears um, this year, regardless of whether they can grab Peterson or not. I think they obviously, based on what I saw from his Patriots performances, I think every once in a while, I think they need to get Patterson involved a little more. Um the guy can the guy can run pretty heavy downfield, so um, I think it's a good help. And obviously, I know Tariq Cohen can hold some ground if if Montgomery misses time. But um, they're going to be in a very interesting position if he can't play. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree with your comments about uh, uh, Cordero Patterson or Cordero Patterson. Yeah. Um, you know, he seems to have a lot of skills, and he's got some power. He's put on some beef on him over the years. Yeah. And he's got some power as well as speed and some moves. I like to see him more running back. But, uh, yeah, if Montgomery can't go, he's probably going to miss, I'm guessing, he'll probably miss the first week or two at least. Yeah. And who knows how effective he'll be after that. You know, do you bring Peterson in? You know, you can get him for a pretty tiny amount of money, so the money's not really the issue here. I mean, really, Washington cut him just because they have a bunch of young running backs on the roster and they want to open up a spot and give those guys some time to see what they can see what they've got. Because you know, Washington's not expected to go to the Super Bowl or make the playoffs this year. So, you know, anyone who picks up Peterson, like the Bears, they got to believe that they can win this year. And uh, so, you know, is it would it be a good pickup? As you say, it depends on what happens to, to Montgomery. But, um, you know... Maybe, maybe not. I, you know, it's one of those things I'm not pining away for. I think it'd be fine if they picked him up, but if they don't, uh, you mentioned Patterson, uh, Tariq Cohen, or, or I think is very good. You know, you have a, a little bit of options, but you know, the key to the Bears is what I mentioned earlier. They just do not have a good blocking offensive line for for run blocking. Yeah, and I think that's where somebody like um, Peterson shines a little more because obviously the Redskins aren't yeah. entirely known for their blocking schemes. Um, but he's but he's more of a power runner, and he can find well, I, t- I totally agree. I totally agree, but I just want to say one quick thing, though. You look at Peterson the last few years. He was at Arizona and then with Washington. Both of them are crummy teams, at least they were at the time, and have bad offensive lines, and he really didn't do much. And he, he is a, a much better power runner. You're absolutely right. But the thing is, those offensive lines are so horrible. He was getting like you know, two and a half, three yards a carry and really not, not doing a whole lot. And he's just, you know, he's good, but he's not the same Adrian Peterson as five, six years ago. Yeah. Well, and then speaking of uh, people who are getting kind of a, a new set of weapons around them, um. So you have Tom Brady. I, mean, I guess I want to know your thoughts on some of these. Obviously, you've got Cam Newton in, in New England, and that's going to be um, 
a very interesting transition for them because I think Cam Newton is a quarterback that they're not used to having. Um, my second uh, question on you is Tom Brady and his in his wild pirate ship of weapons in in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay. Um, and then my third one, I guess, is and now that you have um, a little more offensive stability and their quarterback coming back for a second year, you have um, the Cardinals and and you have Murray. Um, you know, obviously now he's got DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Kenyon Drake. And, of course, you've always had Fitzgerald and Kirk. Um, you know, realistically, like it's a team that seems like, you know, with his second year swing, you know, Murray might be able to to actually do something in Arizona. So I guess those are my three things I just kind of want to hear some thoughts from you about is uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks, Cam and the Patriots and Murray in Arizona. Well, obviously, I feel really good about Brady, believe it or not, although he's age 43. Uh, and it's because of the reason you mentioned. The weapons he has are just outstanding. Uh, he's got a couple of really terrific uh, receivers. Now he's got Rob Gronkowski over there. Granted, it's not the Rob Gronkowski from five, six years ago, but it still seems to be in really terrific shape. I was going to say, supposedly, it's a, it's a more... Um, supposedly, the Rob Gronkowski that's there now is a is a, is a slightly more... Um, I mean, obviously, he's had some time to kind of, you know, heal himself a little more and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the year off will, will do him wonders as far as, you know, healing up. Seems to be in fantastic shape. Um, and he's got, got the insane running back core. Yeah, they just picked up Leonard Fournette. And they had Ronald Jones, of course. And I know they've got one or two other guys there. Well, they have LaShawn McCoy over there. Yeah, McCoy is over there. Of course, McCoy is, you know really on the back nine of his career. I mean, he's probably on the 17th hole, but but he can still play. So I think the talent they have is outstanding. So I really think Brady's going to have a good year, much better year statistically than he had last year with New England. New England was in, intentionally trying to run the ball all the time. Uh, Tampa Bay will do some running, no doubt, but I think they're going to do a ton of passing. Maybe not as much as the uh, Jameis Winston days, but I think they'll do a ton of passing. And obviously, you know that I'm, I'm big on Brady because I just picked him as my quarterback uh, <laughs> this morning in our friends and fantasy, uh, friends and family fantasy league. So, well, of course, <clears throat> I'm big on Brady. Although I noticed that in my in the review in the grade of my draft by Yahoo. Uh, they didn't, yeah, like my, a, you, didn't like my pick very much. You have a different Tampa Bay player as your as your savior. Yeah, in fact, uh, I mentioned earlier to Jay that you know that your draft is in trouble when the review, the uh, the grade of your draft, is part of their commentary, says that your best pick of the whole draft was Leonard Fournette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I got him in the second. I got him in the second to the last round. That's the part they liked about it. But you know, who knows. So I, I think Tampa Bay is going to have a dy- really dynamic offense. I think Brady's going to do really well. Uh, Cam Newton, I think, is going to do very well as, as, in addition because yeah. he seems to be in great shape as well. They're saying he's virtually 100%. Doesn't really have nagging injuries, supposedly. Uh, who knows how much there might be covering up stuff or not. Yeah. But definitely, uh, you know, Cam was, you know, you got to remember when he was with Carolina all those years, they didn't exactly have a dynamite offense. I mean, he was the guy who made it all go. Yeah. Uh, they didn't have outstanding wide receivers or outstanding running backs or an outstanding line on offense. Uh, so he can really flourish anywhere if he's healthy. 
And he claims he is, claims he's 100%. So I, I think he'll do fine. Um, you know, he's never been really like a huge passing quarterback as far as like long downfield throws and everything, but uh, he's very good at the other stuff. And, of course, he's great at running. He'll run for a lot of touchdowns. You know, will England repeat as division champs? Boy, that's really up in the air. I mean, I've seen a lot of projections show them at 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, So we'll have to see because, the, you know, the, the defense really has took a big hit through guys who either opted out for the year uh, or went somewhere else, you know, free agency, whatever. So, you know, the defense is expected to have a big decline, although they'll be decent, but they're going to have a big decline compared to the world beaters they were last year. And then on offense, you know, even though I think Cam Newton will be fine because of his running ability, you know, who's he got to throw to? You know, he does have James White, and of course he still has Edelman, but this and Keel Harry and some of the other guys they have, you know, are, are still kind of question marks. Yeah. So I think Cam will be fine, but you know, as far as New England, I don't think they have a prayer of going all the way. They probably may, may make the playoffs, but I don't think they have a prayer of going all, all the way. And the main thing is they may win the division because no, no one in the division is expected to have a good record. Um, what was the last one that you were so, so The last one, I think, is um, I, I have to say it's going to have to be the biggest question mark in my mind. Um, they have a ton of talent based on the um, in the new structure, and realistically, they obviously have had success um, they had some mild success last year, but um, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Yeah, Kyler Murray, yeah. Um, I know they've, you know, they've kind of established their running game a bit more with Kenyon Drake and Murray, despite uh, the concerns about his size and everything. Obviously, Kingsbury has really done a lot to benefit, you know, to play to his advantage. Um, and the kid can throw too. And and realistically, they they have. Um, Realistically, he's Scott Fitzgerald. He's got DeAndre Hopkins now, which is basically like a, a wide receiver vacuum. You mean Larry uh, Fitzgerald? Fitzgerald. Oh, did I say Fitzgerald a second time? I said Fitzgerald, and then he's got DeAndre Hopkins. That's I think I think you said F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> Who's a, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to listen to it again. But obviously, yes, they, he's got Fitzgerald. That's what I said. He's oh, got he, Fitzgerald. Yeah, you're right. He's, you said that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm, so, I sounded like F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> from my, from my, yeah, it's not, not something that would never happen, you know. <laughs> if they got him, they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, but he's got, you know. Some really good receiving talent. Um, I forgot who the lead tight end is over there, but they've got, um, you know, Kenyon Drake, and and they got a good play caller in Kingsbury who's been helping them out a lot, uh, play to their strengths. But but yeah, I guess that's my next question. Yeah, Mark. what you know about it anyway? Yeah, you're you're really uh, on point on that one. I, you, as a second year quarterback, you'd expect them to have a big breakout, and uh, I think he will. I think he's going to have a great year. And it'll be interesting to see where they uh, they finish up. I, it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs because they're really in a tough division. Yeah, you think about it. I mean, they're with the 49ers and the and the the Seahawks. It's pretty hard to make the playoffs there. But but I think they're going to have a really good year. We'll have to see how the defense comes in. They were kind of middle of the road, I think, last year. But but you're right, though. I think that um, the quarterback will have a, a really good year, step up, and. Uh, once again, I'm got my fingers crossed that happens because I've got my top receivers is Hopkins, so I need that 
need that connection. But you know, you're right about Kenyon Drake, though. Boy, Kenyon Drake was really a revelation yes uh, last year. Yeah, and it really makes you shake your head as to what Miami was thinking about those years when he was over there, and they never played him, or they, you know they'd have him in a committee. Yeah, uh, you know, just watching him with your eyeballs. I mean, you could see the guy had really good talent. And although it sounds like a broken record, I mean, I, I, I think Kenyon Drake can have a spectacular year. Yeah. And it's all going to be health, you know, because once again, I mean, he has a somewhat of a history limited, but he has somewhat of a history of getting injured quite a bit, which, you know, it's not not unusual for a running back. But uh, but I think he's going to be really good. The quarterback's going to be really good, Kyler Murray. And, uh, you know, things are really looking up, I think, in, in Arizona compared to where they were. That's yeah, I mean, on. yeah, I mean, I was going to say it basically was like uh, the last time they really had the talent surrounding them. Obviously, it was the Kurt Warner years back in the early two yeah. thousands. Uh, but um, speaking of uh, people uh, uh, going the opposite way, falling from good times, um, Deshaun Watson and the Texans agree to a, a huge four year extension. Um, it was one hundred and sixty million dollars a four-year mm-hmm. extension to with the Texans. So, I mean, they may not be surrounding him with a lot of people, but they're uh, they're going all in on Deshaun Watson. As well they should. I mean, the guy yeah. has a unique talent. In terms of, you know, pure quarterbacking talent, I mean, he's really, he doesn't get a lot of press because the Texans haven't been spectacular. I mean, they made the playoffs last year, but but the team has been spectacular. The Chiefs, for example, or even Baltimore, I mean, they came very close to, Going to the Super Bowl, but he's talent-wise, pure talent. He's in my mind, he's he's up there with the big guys. He's up yeah. there with Jackson and Mahomes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, Prescott. Uh, but yeah, you know, is he going to have a big year statistically this year? You know, you you'd think probably not, but um, it's all going to depend really on once again a broken record health. Like Will Fuller, for example. I mean, I, I didn't take him, for example, in our draft this morning. I, I love Will Fuller. The guy's yeah. got all the speed in the world, a lot of talent and everything, but the guy's constantly hurt all the time. He's constantly yeah. hurt. I think I grabbed him just as a kind of a backup plan in case he yeah. goes crazy. Well, you got him. You got him next to nothing, for next to nothing. You know? yeah. So that was, that was a great pick. Uh, I would have taken him myself, actually, if I was up at that, that low level. Yeah. So it's going to depend on, on health of the receivers, primarily Fuller. But I think the main thing is is how much running is he going to do. And same thing with, you know, his running backs now. He's got David Johnson back there. Who knows how much he's left in the tank. My guess is he'll be fine. I think he'll do well, David Johnson. I think he, lo- he looked absolutely horrible last year, but I think he was hurt. You know, he yeah. had the, the bad ankle, and he wasn't able to break any tackles. He couldn't run. He, was, he, looked like, he literally looked like he was running in quicksand, you know, most of the year. Very slow, slow motion. But I think he was hurt. So now he should be better. You know, I don't think you'll ever see the David Johnson of, of three, four years ago. I don't think you'll see that. Yeah. But, you know, he should be decent. You got Duke Johnson over there still. Um, pretty good, you know, should be a pretty good tandem. So the question is how much will Watson statistically, he, he may run more now because he doesn't have Hopkins over there. And so statistically, he may not be too bad off. But, you know, how good a team will the Texans be after losing Hopkins? I don't know. That's a pretty big loss. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just do a quick update. I saw, obviously, the Titans are another team looking to get Jadavian Clowney. Um, looks like the Saints and the Titans are pushing to get him. I say this only because it's probably my last my last thought on, on football so far. Um, well, I did want to get your opinion on, obviously, 
um, was the Cubs announcing plans for a DraftKings sportsbook on the Wrigley, uh, Wrigley Field premises. Um, sounds like they're one of the first Major League Baseball teams to actually, you know, suggest this idea. And obviously it, it being put into practice is probably a little far off because, you know, there's not going to be anybody at the stadium for a while. Um I mean, yeah, it can be hard to put, place your bet when you yeah. can't get in, huh? Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's um, and it's a really an interesting premises because obviously, at the end of the day, you know, betting on premises like in-person betting, you know, tends to attract a certain character, but um, you know, historically speaking, anyway, but but realistically. I don't know where to feel about this because obviously at the end of the day, they DraftKings always describes all of their gambling and betting as just friendly, you know, whatever is just placing a bet or whatever. But that and stadium alcohol at a Cubs game probably don't always mix to a to a good crowd. You know, it's, um, you know, or people, you know, who are willing to lose all their money for betting on (laughs) silly stuff like this. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it's that's the advance in in sport in the sports world. So I don't really know where to feel about it. Well, you know, it's it, it brings back a, a situation where many times people will ask me, "Well, how come this happened? How come that happened?" And and my answer is like ninety nine percent of the time, it's all about the money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and. It really is in this kind of, yeah. you know, you say it's obvious, but I mean, the thing is, is that if you talk to any sports team in any league, their big thing right now is how do you find new avenues of revenue? Because obviously the, the, they want to be be competitive and they want to be a good team and, and drive up even more money. But the player costs are obviously astronomical in all the sports at this day and age. So... Uh, I know the Cubs, for example, they actually have like two presidents. You know, they've got Epstein, who's kind of the the baseball operations president, and then they've got uh, what's the other guy's name, Kenny, who's basically the president of, of financial operations. So you have a whole like club president in charge of finding avenues of revenue and maximizing it. So this is okay. kind of another step in that direction: is in-person betting. Crane yeah. Kenny, that's the guy. Crane Kenny, yeah. So, uh, I guess it's uh, it's surprising the Cubs are leading the pack. Normally, somebody like the Dodgers, the Yankees would would lead the pack. But I think the main the main reason for it is obviously the Illinois Gaming Board. Yeah, you know, kind of leading the charge or whatever. You know, Illinois needs more money for their tax revenue, so they so they decided that gambling was okay. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm. I've always been, I've not been big in a sports betting, but I've always been kind of for it. And I'll tell you, the whole the whole history of this Illinois gaming board is, is pretty hilarious because for decades and decades, it's all political football. Uh, it was it was said that they didn't want to have uh, sports betting in the state. They didn't want to have any betting for a lot of years here, but they didn't want to have sports betting in here because they were afraid that you know, poor people would, would lose all their money. You know, it'd be bad public policy. But in the meantime, the state for all these decades has been running a lottery, you know, and they've been running off-track horse betting facilities throughout the state. 
So that's, that's okay. So finally, the public pressure got to the point where they had to permit sports betting. Well, then there's more politics entered in. They wanted to give the local establishments a leg up on the national guys like DraftKings and FanDuel. So then they start passing a law saying that the local establishments, so like a Rivers Casino, for example, that they could open up their sports book two years ahead of the other guys, DraftKings and, and FanDuel and any other national chain. Well, now they moved up. Now, originally, you weren't supposed to do online sports betting for another year or so, but they moved everything up because of the pandemic and people not physically being able to get over to the casinos or not wanting to. So you, you can do sports betting now, for example, at Rivers Casino. But, uh, you know, so the, getting back to your, your question is, uh, to me, the real big growth is in online sports betting, not in-person sports betting. You know, will will the Cubs make some money off this thing if it gets approved? And like you say, there's a lot of hurdles, they, you know, legal hurdles they still have to go through. Yeah, I mean, they'll make a little bit of money on it. But, you know, to me, uh, the really big, huge, dramatic increase in sports betting that's going to happen is because of all this online betting. You know, like, like dominoes, one by one, more and more locations will open as states permit it. And, yeah, you think about it for a second. Now, some people say, well, we like the casino experience. We like to go there physically and be, you know, with all the excitement. And there's certainly that will never go away. There's some people that like that. But the overwhelming majority of people, I think, are like me, where I, I don't want to physically be in a casino. I want to, it's very convenient, <laughs> very convenient just to go on my phone or go on my laptop or something and make a bet. Well, I'm sure there's more than one reason for that. I don't have to physically go somewhere every day to go put my sports bet on there. You know, become a hobo over there. <laughs> uh, and and the thing too is that uh, now I don't know. Right, I have to look it up. I don't know what the rules are right this second. But a few several years ago, for example, like in Vegas, the only way you could do a sports book bet is in cash. You, know, you couldn't do a credit card or check or anything like that. You had to be in cash. You had to physically be there. And then worse yet, the winnings you'd have to go there and pick them up. Yeah. And if you were lucky enough to win big, you, you, you know, you really don't feel comfortable doing that. If I won, I'm hypothetic, I never did, but I'm hypothetic. if I won $1,000 or $2,000, I sure as hell don't want to pick up $2,000 and have to bring it home. <laughs> you know, we had a guy, and I'm not going to mention any names, but there was a, a person that I know uh, from years ago who uh, actually, he won like $1,700 in Vegas at one of the hotels and playing uh, poker. He's playing at the tables. Well, you know, they make a big deal over there. Oh, okay, we have a winner, this and that. Well, there's people that are stationed there physically that are just waiting to uh, to, to attack people. They, they follow you home. They're, they're there in the, you know, in, the, in the casino and they want to see who the big winners are. And then they follow them home and they beat them up. And that's what happened to this guy. Two guys followed him home and beat him <sighs> up, took his money. I'm not saying that it happens all the time, but I, I'm just saying that it makes you uncomfortable yeah. if you're to go down there and, and uh, win, even win big in a casino. It, it makes you uncomfortable to want to take the stuff home. It just It's just a hundred times more convenient. You sit in the Especially if you bet every day or several times a week, it's so just so easy to to just make bets online. You don't have to worry about handling cash. You know, it's just it's so much easier. Yeah, yeah. So no, that's I where mean, the big growth is. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's no, it's okay. And it, um, 
Yeah, it definitely kind of puts you in a position where, you know, there's a lot less a lot less interesting activity that can happen when you don't have to physically be there to do anything. Um, so I guess the other topic I wanted to, I think this might be the last topic I really wanted to roll on was, um, you know, I don't usually follow basketball all that often, but I've really gotten into the Miami Heat lately. Um, and I think most of the time it's because I listen to the Dan Levitard show and they're based in Miami <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they talk about the heat all the time. Yeah. Um, so I know more about the heat than like any of the other basketball teams. So, um, but right now they, they just last night, they, they put up a three Oh lead on, on Milwaukee, which has been a, a, a terrifying development for, for the bucks. Um, and now obviously, uh, Antetokounmpo is starting to get labeled as a, you know, not having the cl- the clutch gene, you know, or the fact that they can't, you can't quite get all the way, you know, because um, they've been, they've had a couple rounds, a couple runs of the playoffs now, and now they're going to get completely swept by Miami, um, who weren't supposed to be doing this, but um, I thought it was very interesting watching the game because I mean they've got Jimmy Butler. And Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo and all this, um, uh, and I think they have uh, Iguodala too. And they they go out there, and what I'm all I'm seeing when I see these highlights is somewhat average basketball players, you know, professional obviously, but somewhat average professional basketball players are really benefiting from the bubble setup. Um. They were talking a while back that a lot of the players are actually becoming insanely more accurate since they removed fans hmm. and everything. Like, obviously, the lack of physical pressure in your face and losing a lot of the home court jitters and and stuff. Shooting percentages have gone up. Interesting, and, yeah. And you watch people who now, it's just like shooting in your backyard. You see videos of these people training and doing practices, and they never miss a shot. And then they get into the games, and they're, you know, they shoot for 30%. And you're like, what the hell? You know, but I keep looking at this, and you see all these, like, averagey people, you know, just absolutely burying threes and fadeaways and crazy, you know, hook shots and, and stuff, and they make it look so simple. And I, I honestly, I think that if you want to see high offense I mean some teams have obviously also had there was a run famously a little way back uh, I forgot the two teams I think it was Dallas and somebody else and they had about two or three straight minutes where each team went back and forth and missed easy shots early like in the thing it was like missing open layups and stuff and and no one scored for about three minutes or something like that. And the announcer watching it had said that basically it looked like L.A. Fitness at one in the morning <laughs> or something. You know, it just looked like a pickup basketball game with like not good players. Um, but 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 these games I saw with like the Heat and the Bucks. I mean, a couple of their games have gone over 100 points now. And and you just watch them and it's somewhat average players and just everybody's become a three point shooter all of a sudden. And um and Butler's doing well, but but uh, people like Tyler Hero are really stepping up. And Hero, uh, I mean, the guy can ball, but he's got an insane shot quality to him. Um, I guess the, the thing I've been seeing is like there's people like that who are stepping up, and you've got, um, I don't know if you've seen him play at all, 
but I'm trying to think of the name, and he is on the Nuggets. Uh, Jokic. There it is. Um, I love this guy because me and my friend used to talk about him all the time. Um, Eastern European guy comes in. He's really tall, but he can but he can drain threes. And uh, and he's got this amazing shot because he's tall, but he shoots rainbow shots and stuff. So he gets like an open three and he'll hold the ball up over his head to shoot. And when he releases it, it the ball goes about like, you know, 25 feet vertically in the air and drops down on the net kind of thing. Mm. So he shoots these huge, just this big tall guy shooting these huge rainbows and everything. And when they leave his hand, you go, what are you doing? You know, when it leaves and then as it comes back down, you go, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's funny watching this because yeah, with the way that the bubble's working and the way they're playing it, it you know, sometimes half the shots you see, it looks like it looks like the net doesn't even move when people score. You know, the shots are so perfect, you know, all these people score and they go, yeah, and two points. And, you know, you're like, wait, he hit that? nothing moved you know like it's just perfectly made its way through the hoop or whatever but but they're seeing a lot of you know benefits from it and i'm hoping to the same extent they're also seeing obviously the benefits that they get to play because they've bubbled away from everybody else well you you raise a fascinating thing because that was a big question about uh, hockey and the nba and nhl and the nba because they're both playing in playoff bubbles is uh you know, would would the would it affect the play? And I think people thought it probably would, but they weren't sure how. So you raise a very fascinating uh, thing about how it seems like a lot of people have improved quite a bit. You know, that the fans maybe are a little bit of a distraction for some of the players. Certainly not all of them, but for for a few of the players, maybe uh, puts a little more pressure on them when they're going to take a shot with twenty thousand fans, and there's a little more pressure. May tense up a little bit. And it was interesting too because Le- LeBron James was quoted back in the spring when it was when it was questioned whether they might play in a bubble, but uh, I know James had said that uh, he, he said he's not playing. He said he's not playing if there's no fans in the stands. So <laughs> I think a lot of the, you know, I think necessity is the mother of invention. I think a lot of a lot of attitudes have had to change over the months. Well, he just feels he just feels weird flopping in front of nobody. <laughs> yeah, well, that may be true, but. So yeah, I, I I love the point you raised, and and uh, it is, and and truth be told, uh, I've been watching the other sports, probably a lot of a lot of the uh, the baseball, and um, you know hockey when the Hawks were still in it, but I haven't watched really any or very very little basketball, almost none. But but your point is is very real though. But uh, you know what is the effect on the game with no fans, and it does seem like just looking at the stats and everything that you know some of the players. Uh, it's taken a little bit of the pressure off, uh, especially when they're when they're shooting those long ones. That's a very good observation. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I guess the reason also that the Miami Heat are coming up in the news lately is um, based on um, a LeBron James organization more than a vote. Um, they're trying to, as part of like the protesting and everything, they tried to push a format to use to get the owners to use NBA arenas as voting centers. Um, Two-thirds of the NBA team's arenas are doing that. Um, 
Uh, the only problem being, obviously, we don't really feel that pain here in, in Illinois because obviously we have a Democratic governor, and I, you know, I'll leave it at that. You can draw the conclusions you want to draw from that, but but we're not having a lot of polling places removed. Um, so in a lot of these cities, they're they're actually starting to use the arenas as a polling place, uh, you know, a larger scale polling place for people to vote, and um, Miami. Unfortunately, their stadium is publicly owned by Miami-Dade County. And the mayor of Miami-Dade um, is a Republican candidate for Congress in November. And he rejected using American Airlines Arena as a, as a location for polling places. Um, no doubt to speak to his fan base and his Republican lobbying, but... Um, it seems like a, like that, like that should be an easy move. You know, everybody's doing it. Just do it. You know, but I feel like now he's like, I didn't even know who Carlos Jimenez was until this happened. And I, you know, I have to believe it's some kind of push to try and get himself more recognized if he's trying to make it into Congress in November. Yeah, um, yeah. What you raised is really a, a big issue. We're typically not a big political show here, but uh, and it's hard to it's hard to avoid it now. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like it, because the point you raise is a classic example where it seems like no matter what topic comes up, and I mean literally whatever topic comes up, it's been uh, politicized by both sides. But uh, it's hard to talk about anything without politics creeping in. And here's a classic example, but. Obviously, these guys who are trying to close polling places, or in this case, he won't allow the stadium to be used for polling. I mean, their explanation is is cost. You know, they think it's gonna, they think they can't afford it. It's, uh, it's not cost effective, and so it it kind of makes it uh, it kind of makes it difficult because, you know, they may have something to their argument. But I think the thing that we have to be ever vigilant on is a society especially come up with this upcoming election, is we need to take a look at uh, all these different polling places that are being closed. And most of them that most of them that have had huge number of closures are in red states. But we need to be vigilant and take a look at where are these polls closing? Because if they're closing in primarily minority areas, for example, then, you know, I don't know if you can really use that argument that you're just doing it uh, because of cost. You know, there, hmm. there's the name. And it's it just... It's kind of sad on either side that um, we've actually politicized voting, you know, and how to vote, where to vote, you know, whether you mail on ballots or not. I mean, to me, it's it, it's just kind of sad that we've really devolved to this state in our country where we literally have half the country is is really conceptually uh, against the other half, you know, and just about everything that comes up. And yeah. I'm hoping that in the future that this will kind of self-correct over time because, you know, we're all better than this. I mean, people are yeah. better than this. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I mean, the big problem with some of this stuff, and, and I'll clear this up by saying that technically Miami-Dade County did choose the Frost Museum of Science as a selection for early an early voting location um, access for accessibility experience with early voting. Um, and they've kind of left that as a polling place. Um, and obviously he's, he's citing that, 
you know, on a normal schedule, they wouldn't be able to ever use, you know, with the NBA schedule, they wouldn't be able to use the arena as a polling place in the future, assuming a normal basketball schedule. And obviously, I would remark that you don't have to make it a future polling place. You just use it once. Yeah. Um, but so I'll give them the, the credit that at least there's there's something going on. Um, you know, and then the heater, obviously the heat must believe that it's, it's a load of crap because obviously they're, they're still not happy with that explanation. So I know what you're saying about like, we're all better than this. I want to go back to that point because what I keep trying to find out is as a 31 year old guy now, who's been through a lot of very interesting stuff over the last you know, decade and some. Um, my problem is that something like this, I think realistically you've always known that there have been a large portion of the population that have always worn a mask of some kind. You don't see the real person behind it, really, in public anyway, because they're not generally supported by anybody, even Republican pre presidents of the past. Uh, have no problem disavowing uh, terrible racist policies, especially overt ones, you know, ones that are in your face. So are you they, sure you, you want to include a political rant in this? It's going to be fairly quick, I think. It's more I'm of a not, personal feeling more than that. It's not really political. It's about the kind of people. And I even shunning Republicans or whatever. It's just the kind of person that's kind of scared me. I'm just saying some of the people that you're talking about may listen to the podcast. Yeah. Honestly, to be fair, I don't particularly care. Right. They can your, they can your, they can stop listening if they want. It's your ball, so I'm I'll support you either way. Cool. Um, so the problem is obviously nothing really is political. I mean, it might lean to something political, but you start seeing people who are trying to pass Department of Justice. Uh, you know, quote unquote, they're serving this notice to like privately owned businesses to tell them that they can't force them to wear masks in their premises. You see videos of this or people creating all the fake rumors about what happens if you wear a mask for too long. And, um, and honestly, the problem is so often you've always known in your life that people wear varying thicknesses of masks. Some people, honestly, they wear a slight cover and they're not that bad. And some people have been wearing, you know, plate armor in front of their face, you know, and the minute they can take that mask off, you know, they, they would. And that's what you keep seeing so much when you see the worst things happening is, is just proving to me that, you know, you start seeing things like denying people the right to vote in certain areas or treating voting like it's a privilege instead of literally being declared as a right in our country. Um... And you see how people treat other people and treat the concept of, I mean, a mask is supposed to ultimately protect other people. Uh, you know, mainly that's where it cuts the percentage down the most. Um, and if someone could infect you with something, you'd want them to wear a mask. You know, so you should wear it because you want to protect other people in case you're the one carrying it. It protects you, but it protects you to a lower percentage than it protects other people from you. Um, and a lot of people just, it's, it's sad that they don't, you know, it shows off the selfishness behind the mask that is now being promoted 
by higher levels of authority, you know, and people feel like they can take these masks off. And honestly, I just, I wish nobody needed the mask. I wish they just all could be a little more commonsensical, but it's, um, it's been pretty out front and in your face so far for the most part. And I mean, I know we've had the discussion so much that we don't tend to go political, but it's impossible to do it anymore. And you've got all these leagues now that are being forced with to bubble up and the NFL season might not even be able to last that long because we're still battling a disease that we should have kicked months ago. Um, you know, and it, it just ends up becoming this thing where, and they're protesting in sports about the politics or about the, they're not always about the politics, but it's about the way people are behaving, you know, and they need to be smarter about that. Yeah, well, I've told a lot of people this, it's of course my opinion, but I think it can be factually borne out, is that, you know, the reason why we have so many cases and so many deaths per capita in the United States compared to any other country in the world actually well, boils down to one simple thing, and that is that we have a problem here in America or a challenge that no other country has, and that is that We've got basically a third of the population that doesn't believe it's real, that they believe it's a hoax or it's no worse than a cold or a flu. And there's no other country that is in that situation. So they're able to spring into action and they'll all wear masks or they'll all do social distancing. They'll all do whatever it takes, washing hands. They'll all do what it takes and unite as a country, whereas our country right now is not like that. Now, it... it wasn't like that years ago, but it is now. And it's really because of the fact that this whole virus situation, the whole pandemic has been highly politicized. And it's really by both sides, but primarily by the president. I mean, there's there's no two ways of getting around it. Uh, he's basically, because he's so antsy about getting the economy started because he wants to get reelected, you know, kind of from day one, he's poo-pooed virus situation and the seriousness and how much under control and when we're going to get a vaccine and, you know, the how serious you need to wear a mask. All this stuff has been poo-pooed and minimized. And you basically have about a third of this country that hang on every word he says. So we face a challenge here in the U.S. because we're divided like this that no other country in the world has. And this is why we have so many problems here with cases and deaths. And it's going to continue for a while. Uh, as long as we we are not united in this in this fight, yeah. And obviously now you have him going around, uh, you know, finding out the real, finding out you know his his disdain for for soldiers. But obviously, I'll leave that for another day. Well, that's kind um, of in, dis in dispute. I just want to make one other point: is is that um, some people will say that, as you mentioned earlier, that. Wearing a mask, for example, goes against their civil liberties and their freedom and all this kind of stuff. But that old argument that has been raised by a lot of people I know really is a, is a nice comparison. That is, well, what about, we went through this whole thing, I don't know if it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, with seatbelts on cars. Hard for you, you're a young person, hard to believe, but for decades and decades, even though a lot of times seatbelts were physically in the car, like in the 60s and 70s, but nobody ever wore them. And when they started making it a law across each of the states and people were forced to wear them, and they found out, well, it's not that big a deal. Well, there were protests back then. 
you know, that should be, it's our choice. You know, we shouldn't be forced to wear a seat. And then uh, there have been several other cases too, but another one that comes to mind is more recent is cigarette smoking. Once again, hard to believe, but for decades and decades, you could smoke wherever you wanted, you know, in work. You might have somebody sitting next to you who hates cigarette smoke, but you could smoke like a chimney if you wanted. Well, and once again, you know, <laughs> one by one, state by state, they start making laws where you couldn't smoke in public places, you couldn't smoke, you know, the businesses could outlaw smoking if they wanted to. And went through the same thing. Well, this is my civil liberties, you know, I have the right to smoke. But see, in all these cases, uh, especially the cigarette one is probably a better comparison, um, you need to protect the people around you, not just yourself. Yeah. And this is a similar case. So, you know, somebody complains that wearing a mask is taking away their civil liberties. Uh, think of those two cases. They're really, especially the cigarette one, they're really spot on where people were were uh, protesting and making a big do to do about it. And then eventually it just became part of your, your daily life. Now, as far as mask wearing, we're not going to wear a mask forever. This yeah. is a temporary thing. Um. People, a lot of people are complaining that, oh, we, we acquiesce to the government too easily and we're letting them control our lives and this and that. Well, you know, just because there's some laws on the books, there's a lot of things you can't do, you know. Well, they're, they're, well and they're also fine with it when, uh, when we start defunding, you know, the USPS and they start making regulations against uh, other things you're allowed to do. They're totally fine. There's so many freedoms that people are willing to give up. It's just sad that it's it's only when you want to give them up that you're... You know, I'm, I'm someone, uh, once again, just as a point of transparency, I mean, I'm someone who is truly, genuinely an independent voter. I don't associate with either party. I don't, I don't have my, lay my life on the line to any particular candidate or anyone from the past. I look purely at issues. Where people stand on things, yeah. And um, as far as my voting record, I mean, I, uh, the 2016 election, I, I voted for way more Republicans than Democrats. So, I mean, I, I really don't care. I don't look at party whatsoever. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, on both sides, we've had such heavy politicization of everything. It's kind of like politics today is with the supporters is like a football game. And this is what's disappointing to me. You know, we don't care about what rules are broken. What laws are violated? What ethics are violated or broken? You know, nobody cares about anything. The ends justify the means. As long as they get the end result they want, you know, they cheer on their team. Yeah. And that's what's disappointing about, you know, politics today. Yeah. Uh, so well. we'll see. We'll see what happens in November here. It could go either way. I think the race is going to tighten up quite a bit here, regardless of what the polls show. I think it's going to be a really tight race and. But uh, it's a high-stakes ball game right now, yeah. either way, depending on which side uh, ends up victorious. But I, I just wish we could get away from the football game mentality because that's yeah. where we're at right now on both sides. We're, you know, People are literally just cheering on their sides, whether they're Republican or Democrat, and they don't care what happens. Yeah. As, long as, as long as they get the end result that they want, they're fine with everything. <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave a... We'll leave episode 13 off on that. Um, oh, I, of, we have, I have one more topic that's very important ooh. to cover before we close. All right. Although it's not a shocker. Well, no. Probably not. We'll see. English Premier League football, believe it or not, starts a week from today. Ooh. It's right September 12th. 
So these poor devils, well, I guess they got a break when you, if you consider they were off during, you know, April, May, and June, but... Yeah, uh, but they didn't get much of a break when, when the season ended. There. <laughs> These poor guys are right in the fray again. Yeah, Saturday, September twelfth. Um, not every team is playing. Liverpool is playing, but not every team is playing. Most teams are playing. The other ones are playing on on Sunday. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting. I always think that every year is interesting because you like to see what teams come up and what teams have departed. They've gotten relegated. So, for example, Liverpool's going to play Leeds United on September 12th. So, lucky them. <laughs> well, welcome to the Premier League. I, the reason I bring this up is that, A, it's so ridiculously quick. Yeah, the turnaround for the, the turnaround Premier League is insane. But, B, it's going to be fascinating to see what Liverpool does this year after the big yeah. run they had last year because uh, they, they kind of burned down a little bit the last few games. Of course, they had that big break, you know. Yeah. But well, uh, I mean, hopefully they can make a second run for it, and then, um, you know, just start a bit of a dynasty going there. That's the hope. They basically have the same team, so there's really no reason why they shouldn't continue. But I mean, it kind of like the Cubs. Up until last year, Liverpool had so many heartbreaks where they, you know, the year before they missed out on the Premier League championship by one point, and they missed it out. They missed out a few years back by two points. I mean, they've had so many close calls and disappointments yeah. and then finally broke through last year. So you know, Cubs are not able to repeat, but we'll see. Uh, Liverpool, I think, is in a much stronger position. Uh, but it should be a, an interesting uh, season. They're starting about, I don't know, three, four weeks later than normal, but still, that's absurdly quick turnaround time from when the season just ended. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, they're kind of conditioned to play fairly regularly and um, I think this is where they're, they, you know, a lot of announcers were getting super angry at them taking, you know, actual water breaks and getting more subs at the end of last year. Um, and I think this is that's going to come back to be a good decision in the end of the day here where you might have some people that were at least, you know, slightly more rested uh, going in. And obviously they're still warm. So realistically, you know, I don't think it'll have too much of a toll on the play itself. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously, they've had good luck staying healthy and keeping play going. So I assume as long as they don't let Americans get involved, they'll be all right. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned those rule changes. I kind of like the rule changes that they yeah. had. Uh, and you think, I mean, as far as water breaks, I mean, the time that's wasted on the water breaks is probably less than the time wasted via fake injuries, you know, that <laughs> on the pitch. But then as far as the subs, I mean, I, I know I'm in the minority based on what I see online and on TV, but I, I like to have more subs. I like to see more players in there, especially when there's a possibility, you know, somebody could get injured after you've already made your three subs, you know, under yeah. the old rules. Three subs is not very many, and no. basically an eleven-person team. So I've always thought that they should allow uh, more subs. So we'll see how that how that pans out. But you always had to be really careful. I mean, you'd see subs come in like in the ninetieth minute sometime, and I mean, some of it was the winning team trying to waste time, but but some of it was just that you you're so afraid about using up your subs too early, and then if somebody gets hurt, you're playing with ten guys. Yeah, I mean, obviously it ends up benefiting play a lot if to have more substitutions and to have the breaks. I think people are able to go a little harder, you know, knowing that there's knowing that there's a break in hand and knowing that, you know, 
they do get some rest time in between, however little it may be. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but I'm excited see to see what they can do. Oh, yeah. Well, this guy's, it's looking up. There's no reason why they shouldn't repeat, but uh, I know that Manchester City, though, would really finish pretty strongly there, and they're always a big a big threat. Now, it's funny when we talk about the short turnaround time. You're, and you in the NBA earlier, you have kind of in the NHL, same thing. Uh, you're going to see a similar thing where they've got a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, some of these teams aren't going to get too much time off before the, the new season starts, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, of course, like I said, they did have their break in the spring, but uh, but right now, though, uh, will be a quick turnaround time for some of these teams. Now, of course, if you're like the Chicago Bulls, you've been cooling your heels since March. So <laughs> this is not going to be year. a problem. Not going to be a problem. <laughs> They'll have about six, seven months off. <laughs> but yeah. but some of these teams are only going to have maybe a month or two turnaround, maybe a month and a half turnaround if you're in the finals. Yeah. Of either league, it won't be that big a. a won't be that big a rest so yeah i mean but, well, hopefully you don't see too much of an issue with it but um i mean i think about some of those sports and it's probably not that crazy to have the turnaround just based on your general output into the sport um but yeah no i mean it's going to be a crazy situation but obviously everybody stays kind of healthy it's going to be interesting to see if the nba has to bubble again yeah, it's it's really the new season that's going to be really up in the air as far as what they have to do as far as allowing or not allowing fans in. And, and like I say, it sounds crazy, but you know, when you get to next uh, April, May, June, we may still be in this dilemma to some extent. Yeah. You know, and once again, I don't want to bark on a big political rant, but this is really critical. I mean, there's a lot of talk about a, va a vaccine perhaps coming out, which I think would be fantastic. But based on polling that's taken place, um, you got Half the population basically says they're not taking it. So how much how much uh, impact is it going to have? Now, you know, the two main groups are, I think you got roughly 22, 23% that are just purely anti-vaxxers. You know, they won't take a vaccine no matter what. Yeah. But I think the rest of them, the 27 or 28% are, you know, they're worried about it coming out too soon. You know, that maybe there might be side effects or unintended consequences of a vaccine that comes out. So my point is, is that it sounds nutty that... You're going to be in the same boat a year from now that you are now, but it's possible, even if a vaccine comes out, because yeah. a lot of people won't be taking it. So uh, when playoffs arrive for the NBA and the NHL and so forth, even football, by some miracle they play the football season because they're not in a bubble. If by some miracle they get through the season, uh, you know, even next January, uh, February, I mean, we could very easily be in the same boat we are now. Yeah. Yeah. Try and keep our our fingers crossed and hope that everybody's able to kind of hold on to everything. Yeah, but. I mean, you have to stay you have to stay optimistic, and that's why I say, I mean, people are, you know, regardless of their political affiliations or thought, I mean, people are are for the most part they basically want the best, and uh, we have to retain our optimism and and hope that uh, you know logic prevails over the long haul, but. Um, yeah, the main thing is we, we, we've got to get away from this, like I say, this football mentality of us versus them all the time. You know, we got to try to figure out how we can, you know, somewhat unite together and get through this pandemic, defeat it, and uh, get back on track. I know we can do it. We just, uh, we just, you know, it's got to get done. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, um, I think with that being said, obviously we've, um, you know, tried to cover everything the best we can so far, but, um, man, life is spiraling out of control. So I assume episode 14 won't be too far behind. Um, (laughs) I know obviously we got the football game on Thursday, so probably expect some kind of drop after that. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we try and keep, you know, a slightly, you know, tilted ear to the ground anyway, but I do appreciate everybody for listening once again. Um, this is surviving the ground. You can find us on Facebook under that, under STG podcast on Twitter. Um, it's a bit of a barren wasteland sometimes, but for the most part, I you know, try and retweet some good stories as they come across and keep you updated. Um, and uh, so as always, I appreciate my father for joining me in and, uh, being, uh, a more independent counterbalance to me anyway. So I appreciate you being here. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I love, uh, talking about these topics Yeah, and, uh, they're, they're just fascinating and it's always interesting to hear other people's point of views. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so hopefully you'll hear back from us soon, but, uh, as always, I want to sign off with, uh, you know, just being everybody out there, be safe, take care of yourself, uh, stay out of trouble, uh, you know, stay out of as much trouble as you can anyway. And, um, yeah, then we will be seeing you. We'll see you next week then. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.